Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, it's great to have you with us for that great time of worship and communion, and, and now we'll come around the Word together. So, we've been working our way through the harmony of the Gospels, and today we are going to look at John chapter 12. So, if you want to get your Bibles ready, and you can turn to there. So, in John chapter 12, this is about Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. So that's where we'll be up to today. Now, next Sunday, uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to have a, a special service. It's going to be Father's Day, but we're also going to have Steve McCracken uh, preaching. And uh, so he's just getting a word from the Lord. So a, a word in season now for Life Church. So that'll be great to look forward to next week. And then after that, on uh, September the 13th, that's a, that's a famous date, isn't it? September the 13th, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, we'll be back into uh, the harmony of the Gospels and, and looking at uh, the last week of Jesus' life as we head into the rest of September and October. So, if you've got your Bibles ready, we're going to read from verse 9 of John chapter 12. So at the start of chapter 12, Jesus has uh, visited Martha and Mary and Lazarus again and Pastor Gideon talked about that last week, how um, he was close friends with that family and he raised Lazarus from the dead and that was a great sermon last week. So he's there again at their house and this is where uh, Mary uh, washes his feet with her tears and dries them and and. and puts the perfume on him and, and is preparing him for burial. It was a really prophetic act. So we're now going to pick up uh, in verse 9 as we read through chapter 12. So meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him... Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So the next day, the crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people became because they had heard that he had performed these signs, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can look at scripture that was written thousands of years ago. And we can read it and apply it to our lives today. And Holy Spirit, you can breathe on it and bring revelation to us. So Lord, I just pray today you'd speak to our hearts from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. 
I've entitled this, this message today, I will follow Jesus if. I will follow Jesus if. Because with some people, they will follow Jesus, but there's a condition on the end. So today as we work through this, I'll pose that question to you later on about the reasons why we actually follow Jesus. And if there's no strings attached or if there are conditions to our faith. So as, as we look at this passage, in verse 9, it talks about the great crowds were following Jesus. Now people had obviously been there when he'd raised Lazarus from the dead and other people had heard about it. So a great crowd had come and they were part of this crowd that, that were following him into Jerusalem. So for some people, maybe they'd come because they'd heard of the miracles. Maybe they had a need in their life where they needed healing or they, they needed some sort of miracle and they were hoping if they turned up and they were part of being where Jesus was that he could perhaps perform a miracle or a great healing in their own life. Others were coming because they knew scripture and they knew that one day the Messiah would come. And many were hoping that Jesus would be that Messiah and he would come and free them out from under the Roman rule. They were looking for an earthly king that was going to change their situation. So people were probably there for a variety of different reasons. And maybe they were even posing the same questions. Well, if Jesus can fix this situation, I'll follow him. If Jesus can be our ruler, I'll follow him. So who knows what people were actually thinking and the reasons why they were there on that day. If we jump down to verse 15, where it's, it's talking about Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. These things were spoken about Jesus thousands of years earlier. And yet it said that disciples didn't realize that this prophecy was about him and being fulfilled until till afterwards there's many many prophecies in the old testament leading up to jesus and his birth his death his resurrection and and there's lots of mentions throughout the gospels about those particular prophecies and those being fulfilled and that's what was happening here the other three gospels talk about they go into a little bit more detail about how the disciples had to go into town and, and they'd go to a certain place and, and they'd find the, the, the colt of this donkey and they'd bring it back. And, and uh, So Jesus was actually coming into town and he's riding on a donkey. So Palm Sunday was so exciting because as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, this great crowd of followers were coming and they had palm branches and they had coats and they were laying them all down so that Jesus could ride on them. And they're shouting, Hosanna and praise God and glory to God. And the word Hosanna is, means, oh save. Hosanna, that is an exclamation of adoration. But if you go into it a little bit deeper, the original uh, Hebrew word talks about... Uh, that it actually means to defend, to deliver, to help, persevere, rescue, be safe, bring salvation, and get victory. 
So many of this crowd, when they were yelling out this word, Hosanna, they were actually saying, save us, come and be our deliverer and set us free from this Roman rule and this incredible situation of persecution that we are under. It was interesting that when Jesus came, he was riding on a colt of a donkey. When you come riding on a donkey, you don't come to fight. Later on, we read in in the book of Revelation that he will come. Jesus will come again, a second time, riding on a white horse, and he will come to fight. He'll come to fight and he'll overcome the forces of evil, and he will set up his earthly kingdom. In Jerusalem, and he will rule and reign over the nations of the world for a thousand years. Now, that's all to come in the book of Revelation, and we will get to the book of Revelation a little bit down the track at some point and do a good study on that. But right now, Jesus is coming in, and he's not riding on a horse, he's riding on the colt of a donkey. He didn't come to fight, and yet they were, they were Hosanna and. and, and All this excitement and passion was going on because they wanted him to come and to deliver them from the situation that they were in. If we jump down to verse 19, there's another point there I wanted to bring out. The Pharisees, at the start of this passage, because the crowds were coming and they were following Jesus and believing in him, and because he had raised Lazarus from the dead, they... The way they dealt with this was they wanted to kill Jesus and they wanted to kill Lazarus. And they make this statement in verse 19 that the whole world was following after him. You know, it's interesting that people get caught up in this situation. I remember often as a pastor, someone would come to me and they would say that this certain situation is happening and and everybody's doing this or everyone's thinking this way. And when you actually sit down and talk to them and break it down and you say, well, well, who's everyone that's doing this? Well, it, it's just everyone. Well, can you give me their names? And often when you delve into a situation like that, everyone becomes two or three people. And when you put it in perspective like that, then often... People say, well, well, maybe it's not as bad as we thought. The Pharisees are saying the whole world is running after him and following him. Well, yeah, there was a crowd, but the whole world, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration. And it just shows that the frustration or, or how people get caught up in the moment, saying that the whole world was following him. And, and the only way that we can deal with this is, is that we can kill him and get this problem away from us. Isn't it interesting that religious leaders, people that were supposed to be godly and role models in their community, the way that they wanted to deal with this problem was to kill Jesus. Not a great response from a religious leader. But it's still happening in the world today, we see far too many 
things happen in the name of God or in the name of gods. People say, well, if you don't agree with me, then bang. Yet Jesus taught us to love one another, to forgive one another, to love our neighbours as ourselves, to love the person but not the sin or the lifestyle that they may be in. I was actually watching a movie recently and this mother come in and she tore strips off this young fella. So he was sort of shaking in his boots and she turned to walk away and she come back and she said to him, by the way, you're not a bad person if this is just very bad behaviour. And it's a classic line, but I think that's something that we need to understand. That Jesus calls us to love people. Not to love the sin or the lifestyle that they may be in. That is, is not the way that God has planned for them to live their life. But these religious leaders, that wasn't their way of dealing with things. It was just, the whole world's going after him. We have to stop this. This is causing problems for us. Let's kill him and get him out of the way. So Jesus now, he's entering the gate of Jerusalem, of the city. And when he enters the gate, he does something very interesting. I was digging a little bit deeper and doing a bit of study on this, and, and this was something that I never ever knew. But when he enters the gate, he turns left instead of right. So why is that such a big deal? Why is that so interesting? In Jerusalem, on the right, as you enter through the main gate, was the Roman fortress Antonio, where the Roman occupying forces were. And you've got to remember, these people wanted a Messiah. They wanted an earthly king. They wanted someone that was going to save them from under the Roman rule and set them free and liberate them. And when Jesus came in, and instead of turning right and going straight to the Roman occupation and dealing with that and setting things straight, he turned left. And although it doesn't state it in John, but in the other three Gospels, it talks about when Jesus turned left, he actually went to the temple. And he cleansed the temple. And he turned the tables over and he kicked the people out and he had a whip and, and instead of going and Dealing with the Romans, he actually went and he whipped Jews. It wasn't surprising that just a few days later, the same crowd, that probably many of them were yelling, Hosanna, were now yelling, crucify him. And they actually chose a man called Jesus Barabbas, a guerrilla fighter, whose name meant Saviour, Son of the Father. They actually chose him to be set free instead of Jesus that day. They wanted a man who would fight and release them from the Roman rule. They thought Jesus was coming to take the throne, but all he did was clean up the temple. You know, 2,000 years on, Jesus offers humanity a way to be cleaned up. Not by fighting, but by actually laying down his life. If you're watching today and you have questions about 
who Jesus is or what he means to you, can I suggest to you that Jesus actually laid down his life for you? And today, the best response that you could do is actually to lay your life down for him. Which brings us back to the title of this sermon and the question that I posed at the start. I will follow Jesus if. And just as we've gone through this story in John 12, we find that there was many people that would follow Jesus if he would release them from their circumstances. And when it didn't turn out how they wanted him to act and how they wanted it to turn out, then they were just like the religious leaders. Kill him. I heard of a lady a few years back and it was like she'd made this fleece with God and she needed healing. And I heard that because she didn't get the healing and what she wanted, she actually walked away from her faith. So once again, it was like, I will follow Jesus if you heal me. Sadly, there's probably people with all different reasons why they have a faith or why they follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus if you do this for me. But it's not supposed to be like that. You know, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that your life will be a bed of roses. The Bible actually says in Psalm 34, 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Becoming a Christian, following Jesus, doesn't mean that you'll have a perfect life and, and free of problems. Actually, you'll probably face lots of difficult times, persecution. Some people are even martyred for their faith. But his promise is that he will be with you through every situation that you face. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So my conclusion is simply this. Rather than saying, I will follow Jesus if he does this for me, depending on my circumstances. My conclusion for my life is, I will follow Jesus, full stop. No strings attached. Because what he has done for me by laying down his life sets the ultimate example that if I will lay down my life, then that gives him a vessel to work through. And with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding, then that's all I need. And that's the solid rock foundation that I build my life on. So if you're watching this today and you have questions, maybe you're confused, maybe you're searching, maybe you've never made a, a commitment or a decision like this before, I would love now to just take the time to pray with you and give you the opportunity to pray along with me and just commit your life to Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. Sometimes it's just taking that step of faith and making that commitment 
And then as you learn and grow, it's like everything just falls into place. So I'd like to, to end this sermon today by praying for you. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for the ultimate price that you paid, Jesus. That you came and you died on a cross. And you paid the price for our sin, for my sin. And you rose again and you conquered death and hell. And now you've given us the opportunity, if we believe in you and confess and come to you, then you become our Lord, our Savior, and our King. And, and, and we can once again be in right relationship with a holy God. So Lord, I just pray today for everyone, Lord, out there that may be searching, that may be, Lord, just crying out, not really understanding what they need. But Jesus, I pray right now, by the presence of Almighty God, that you would just visit them, that they would have an encounter with you right where they are right now. And that such a peace would rest upon them. And that you would invade their life and cause their whole purpose and direction and the way that they see everything would change in a moment. And Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. I want to encourage you that if you've prayed that prayer today, if you've had an encounter with the Lord, then you can go to our website and we'd love to stay in touch with you, encourage you, tell you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and help you along your faith journey. So God bless you. Have a great week and stay tuned now for our prayer video. On this day, Melbourne Day 2020, when we remember the beginning of the first European settlement here in 1835, we, the people of God, come together in prayer to seek you for your hope, healing and reconciliation to flood into the lives of the residents of Melbourne and Victoria. Restore the brokenhearted and pour out your grace that brings comfort and breakthrough. My name is Pastor Esme Bamblett. I'm an Aboriginal pastor. And I want to tell you today that I believe God is calling the church, His church, to unity. We are all one in the body of Christ and we have a common enemy and we need to be together, be united, and we need to pray. Lord, we pray for every church community that seeks to be a continuing witness to your unchanging love and compassion. May each know the leading of your spirit, inspire faith amidst discouragement, and continue to shine the light of Christ more brightly than ever. Heavenly Father, we're praying today for our police, for our Chief Commissioner, for all of our emergency services providers. We're asking that you would be with them as they go about their business, as they serve our community. We're asking, Lord, for hope and healing to be extended to them and to their families as they serve to protect us. And we're asking that today in Jesus' name. I pray for Melbourne that she would come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I declare a release from captivity for all those impacted by the coronavirus, especially Melbourne's economy and her commercial interests. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Bless us against this pandemic and restore our economy. Bless us with the peace of God to keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bless us with good courage and strength and place our hope in you. Friends, we are in a raging storm. 
and we feel so unsafe. The Lord wants to come to us. We simply say, save us, Lord, and he will stretch out his hand to us. May the Lord be with you, your family, and your neighborhood today. God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you in reverence and humility. I declare in decree, Victoria will come out of this victoriously. I release your healing upon the city and upon this nation, in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to show grace where there is panic, to build faith where there is fear, to bring comfort where there is anxiety, to bring light where there is darkness. We want to be the hands of Jesus and touch our world with your love. I declare over you in Victoria, the glory of God's splendor is our strength. His marvelous favor strengthens us. His wrap around presence is our protection. Psalms 89:17-18. God bless. Father, we pray that you will turn bad to good that you will awaken in our city during this time a great spiritual hunger for you, Jesus. My prayer at this time is that everybody in Victoria feels safe, feels cared for, feels connected in some way to others and their community, and that the people of God can show the love of God to all people within their communities and neighbourhoods. In the midst of the pandemic, we thank God for the leadership of Premier Daniel Andrews and his government, for all those who work to support our community, our first responders, indeed every person who is serving in some way at the front line to make a difference as they care for people. Father God, we ask for your blessing upon them. We ask for your healing of our people, indeed of our land. Father, will you pour your Holy Spirit out upon our nation? Oh, do that for your glory, we pray. Lord, we pray for Victoria. We pray for Melbourne. We realise, Lord, this is a disastrous time. But Lord, it's going to come to a quick end. I believe by faith in your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for Victoria. We ask you that you would come and move and bring peace and joy and love to people in need. We thank you for this great city. We thank you for this great state. And Lord, we ask for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. This is a declaration over all those involved in healthcare work from Psalm 3 and Psalm 121. We declare God is your true help and protection. He is a shield around about you your glory and the lifter of your head. He will guide and guard you and will continually keep and watch over you. He shelters you safely in his presence to comfort, heal, strengthen, renew and resource you. So today we bless all those involved in healthcare. We pray for our communities and our leaders for a spirit of compassion and courage that we might keep heart being communities that hold together in caring for each other, never content to let anyone live in need of the basics of life. <laughs>